Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a podcast app, Spotify, wherever you may listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. We're back with some NFL talk. It's a little confusing for my brain because we're recording it before the basketball episode, but the basketball episode came out before this episode. Well, it's a lot. It's all good, though. A lot of sports. Baseball playoffs are live. By the time you're hearing this, the NBA Finals is live. We're in the swing of things. So let me get my guests in off the jump. First, Pat Boyle. What's up, man? What's up, Petey? Let's, uh, I, I don't want to say too much before we get into it, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to rock, though, dude. What's going on? Man, it's uh, it's overwhelming. What's top of mind for, for your sports brain? Like, What's uh, number one for you right now? Well, obviously, right now, you said by the time we, we, we get this episode out, we'll know what the Yankees are doing um, if they're playing on Thursday. And we'll have game one of the NBA Finals in the book. So I'm like, like you said, dude, it's very overwhelming. True, the uh, Yankees could the, technically be out. Well, they are currently winning 3-0 as we record this in the first game. Yeah, yeah, they could be uh, out. I, I thought the beginning of sports when it came back was was kind of overwhelming. This this week, NBA Finals start, MLB playoffs. Like you said, you got the Jets Broncos Thursday night. We could see the last of Gase. Oh my god! I, yeah, I'm I'm very <laughs> overwhelmed, and I'm trying to process everything, but. Um, not not a whole lot to be excited about New York sports no. other than the Yankees, and you hope you can continue that to another week. I think even non-Yankee fans might need to kind of root for them, just like so it kind of just works, you know what I mean? But uh, also, before you know, we go too far, let me bring in our other host, Rocco Del Puri. What's up, dog? PD, how we doing, kid? Pat, speak for yourself, brother. I'm looking forward to Thursday night. I've oh, actually God. already taken the sick day on Friday, <laughs> as we will be going to a parade for the firing of Adam Gates. It goes down Thursday night, 11 p.m. I hope it's more awkward than when the Mets fired Willie Randolph, when they woke Re- Willie Randolph oh up at God. night and told him he had to go on a West Coast trip. Oh. Pack Gates' bags. See you later, alligator. Oh. On the new, new regime as a head coach of the New York. Yes. A ticker tape parade. Is that what they call it? Ticker tape parade for, for the firing of Adam Gase. The the first parade in New York City in uh, who knows how long since the, was it since the Yankees last uh, World Series? Un- oh, no, the Giants. Who am, I, who am I kidding? It feels like forever ago the Giants were that good. Who, who could have thunk that they were good enough to win a Super Bowl? But it's a different era. That's crazy. Del, what's top of mind for your sports brain right now? Is it NBA? Is it Yankees? Is it football still? Like I know you're coaching now again, so what is it? So much to look forward to. Obviously, first off, the New York Yankees back in the playoffs. MLB, 16 teams, should be exciting. Miami Heat, chance to be the Detroit Pistons 05. But none better than the fact that Adam Gase is possibly coaching his last game for the New York Jets. So my eyes will be on that Thursday night, Pete. And let's hope Brett Rippon rips the Jets and the Jets fire Adam Gase. Isn't it sad, though, like to, the, to Pat's point, as New York sports fans, that is probably by far and away, outside of the Yankees and Yankees fans, 
the most exciting thing happening in sports right now <laughs> in New York sports is getting rid of a coach. Like that is the number one most exciting item. It's it. I feel you though. I mean, as, as a non-Jets fan, I could kind of root for them without caring if they lose. Like, it doesn't really, you know, I kind of feel that way about the Giants right now, too, because they're kind of so terrible. We're going to get into both of it. But I feel you. That, that Adam Gase era needs to be over. There's nothing coming out of it. It's not going to flip. So it's time. And hopefully they lose in, in that sense. Because if they win, do you fire him? Is that is that a thing that can happen? Like, fire a guy off a win? I know it happens sometimes, but. No, I don't think they'll fire him if they win the game. Um, if anything, you know, he just bought himself at least another week or however many other weeks. Uh, but no, nah, dude, it's like at this point, it's like a toxic boyfriend or girlfriend that you're with. You just you got to get rid of them. And it's like, you know, you, you still feel like crap afterwards because it's like, all right, you know, I'm not like you're better off for the long run, but you're not better off. Obviously, the day after the Jets are still going to suck. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a matter of time, man. I've seen I've seen enough. I don't need to see anymore. Yeah, I think the Knicks probably learned this the hard way too. Like with Hornacek, Fisdale, and Fisher. I mean, you don't want to just give up on a guy in a year. You want to give him that second chance or that third chance. I get it. But then when it's time, it's time. Rip the Band-Aid off, right? The team's not going anywhere. Rip it off. Let them refresh. Let the the front office take a proper look at who they want to take a look at. Because now it becomes time for um, Sam Darnold to just like show that he's the guy. It becomes time for all these young people who Joe Douglas may or may have not drafted yet to, to make sure they play and not have a coach drag you down, afraid to lose, uh, afraid to win. He's afraid to win, afraid to lose. Like, that's, how it's, that's how he coaches. It's really weird. So it's time to cut bait, see who you have on the roster, and, and start from scratch. It's a shame that Week 8 playing against the Chiefs is so far away you can't kidnap Eric Bieniemy. Well, you'd hope that after Thursday night you have 10, 11 days to get a new, you know, a new head coach situated, probably be Greg Williams, right. if I had to guess. And we know Pat knows how that went. <laughs> he was five and three with the Browns. Just give a little added juice, but and then really see if Donald is the man going forward because, you know, a nice little prize waiting for you is Trevor Lawrence. Right, possibly. And it comes a point where you just kind of want to let your guy drown or see if you can swim. And it stinks to say it like that, but, you know, you have a quarterback. Why baby him? What's the point of babying him? You baby Sam Darnold. You baby Daniel Jones. If the team is so good, they might win anyway. Like Mitch Trubisky, they did everything possible. And that's a perfect segue, right? Like Mitch Trubisky, they did every single thing possible to see if he can just keep them in games, do just enough to win, make a few plays here, make a few plays there, and don't lose it for us. Matt Nagy exhausted all resources. Then he said he can't do it. He's not the guy to not let us lose. He's also not the guy to help us win. So what are we doing here? Now it's time. And now Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold have another year, or uh, Daniel Jones too, I guess, um, before you could probably say, hey, you're completely done. It's over. But those thoughts start to come into the head, especially with looming Trevor Lawrence. So let, let's circle back here real quick. Subway Sports Talk, uh, you know where to listen to it. I always appreciate you guys. If you like uh, the show, let us know what you want to hear about. I actually did a thing on Instagram. It was super helpful for me. A bunch of people responded and told me what – you know, they were interested in hearing about on the pod, whether it be uh, NFL about specific, you know, teams that aren't winning records right now or aren't winning teams right now. Who's the sleepers? Who can come back and make a splash? Top contenders, Mahomes talk. All this stuff was was uh, sent in. A couple Lions responses, and uh, maybe we'll get to them at some point. I don't know. But a lot of people are pissed about Gase, pissed about the Jets, pissed about the Giants. It, it makes great sense. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to dive into the Jets and the Giants. We are going to basically have a conversation put together our, 
you know, big brains over here, the three of us. And we're going to see if we combined the Jets and the Giants, right? How good or bad may this team still be? Because both of these teams, we know the Jets are getting probably more ripped right now because of the coach situation and their patheticness over three weeks. But the Giants have not been much better, if better at all, right? So let's, the three of us, combine our, our powerful football brains and see if we can put together a winning team looking at both of these rosters and taking the best players available. Uh, Dell, this was your idea. So what, what made you think of this? You know, you sit here and you watch both teams and you see them struggling in the same areas. Um, and then you look at the complete roster and, and say, if we combine these two teams, do they, are they one and two? Are they two and one? I, I'm going to say 0 oh and 3 because there's that much of issues around both sides of the ball. Um, but I will take the Giants quarter. Uh, I will take the Giants coach first. Okay. So we will take Joe Judge over Adam Gates. <laughs> and I think everybody will. Just based off the unknown, we have to take Coach Judge. If Do, if, do I have the option to take you as the head coach, Rock? Because then I might consider that. Don't flatter me, brother. Well, let's let's start. I like what you said with the team name, the the Subway Sewer Rats. Yeah, that's the team name. The New York. So I don't guess we have to say New York. It's a little redundant. But the Subway Sewer Rats. That's going to be our team. Basically, what we're going to try to do. We're going to start with quarterback. Then we're going to go to the lines, the O and D. We're not going to talk about every single player. Some more than others, of course. Um, Then we'll talk about some defensive players, and then we'll end with skill players. And basically, we want quarterback, some linemen, you know, three wide receivers, a tight end, running back. And sounds simple, right? You know, oh, Darius Slade, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the third, fourth guy? These guys start getting ugly fast, and that's just receiver. That might be one of the best spots we got based off the Giants and Jets combined rosters, and the Jets aren't offering much. So let's start where this conversation needs to start. It's quarterback, right? So Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones. The, the reason these two are combined are obviously New York. The other reason these two are combined is because of a difference in philosophy in which led to these two getting drafted, right? So Sam Darnold was drafted the same draft as Saquon Barkley. And for me, as a Giants fan, as a football fan, I love Saquon Barkley. I think he's fantastic. But it's easy to say, why would you pick a running back there, right? Granted, he's a generational talent, but you have to consider the options of building a team. Is that the smartest move? So the Jets said, we're taking Sam Darnold. The Giants said, we're taking a running back. And I think everybody loves Saquon Barkley, thinks he's fantastic. But did they mess up? Maybe not with those particular quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, but nonetheless. Then Daniel Jones, a year later, he gets picked earlier in a draft, but not the top two quarterbacks off the board. Not the top three. What was he, the fourth quarterback off the board? I can't remember now. But whatever, it doesn't matter at the moment. So it's different in philosophy, and obviously they're both New York guys. So, Pat, simply... Who do you got? Is it Sam Darnold? Is it Daniel Jones? Are you taking, uh, you know, Ripian off the waivers if he gets cut by the Broncos next week? What's the deal? <laughs> well, first of all, Pete, just to, to go off what Rocco was saying with the head coach, I would take your dog Shayna <laughs> over Adam Gase as our head coach. Yeah, she's pretty cute at least, you know? Hey, I mean, at least that. She <laughs> nothing else. At least, at least the defense would actually have some bite and no bark. Oh, there we go. But, uh, but uh, no, um, my quarterback, and, I, and I've been kind of playing with this all day, and uh, especially since we started chatting. Uh, At first, I was leaning Daniel Jones, but again, it comes back to me for Adam Gase. I'm under the belief that Adam Gase has 
been one of the direct results to the regression of Sam Darnold more than anything else. And I think that under a head coach that can actually be the quote unquote quarterback whisperer that everybody you know loves to throw that term around now. I think if you have a head coach that knows what he's doing and can develop a quarterback, I honestly think we will have seen Sam Darnold progress to being in that middle stack of NFL quarterbacks rather than regress to where he's looked like a rookie now uh, the past two weeks, making bad throws and um, you know making poor decisions. Uh, so in, in terms of the quarterback that I would have, if we've got a good head coach and you know we've got a team that you can actually kind of work with, I think I would, I would take Sam Donald. Mm. Um, again, it goes back to me, the fact that in his rookie season, he, was, uh, he led the NFL in quarterback rating in the month of December. Um, and I, I just I think he's got more, more talent than Daniel Jones overall. Right. And, um, and even I think he's got your, the better arm. Off your first point, seven and six last year as a start when he started the Jets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, again, you, know, you look at a team that and we can make this excuse that every team that has battled injuries. The Jets have battled a lot of injuries the last uh, two years. But. Um, I think with what he's been given to work with and the head coach he's been given to work with, I think just the better pure quarterback and the projection that uh, Donald offers versus than Jones, I think I'd probably take Sam Donald as our, as our QB. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get into it in a second. I want to let rock uh, go first there. So he's on Sam Donald. Are you feeling similarly? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, and I can't agree more, Pat. <laughs> Gase has, did so much wrong to this poor kid that it, we could see be seeing the end of Sam Donald as we know it. But there is a part of me being a disgruntled Jeff fan that thinks down the line he may be playing well for a Saints, for a for a Steelers, for a good organization. But for the Titans, I, Ryan Tannehill. Right, right. So I, I'm a big. I was a big Donald fan prior to this year all the good points you had brought up. I loved his ad lib ability of, they call it magical sloppiness, making things happen when he moved the pocket. We could argue here that um, Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles did a better job with this kid. Mm. So um, I do believe if we're going to go Donald versus Daniel Jones, I'm going to go Sam Donald for this one. Um, But it's not far off. It's it's not a uh, it's it's not a Mahomes Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's that's actually good, the exact opposite. I would say at this point in time. <laughs> that's a good comparison, Rock. And just to add one more note, really quickly, Pete. Um, I, I mean, again, we we've seen the track record already with the quarterback Scase has been able to work with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, you know, the guy's the guy's a near star now at Tennessee. He he is an above average quarterback. And uh, again, literally just because of Peyton Manning vouching for Adam Gase, which I, I can't believe Peyton Manning feels too great about that now. Uh, but we have seen consistently guys leave the New York Jets, offensive skill position players leave the Jets and become twice as good, like overnight, like literally overnight, not even with like two, three years down the road, almost overnight. And, you know, I, I like Jones. I, I, you know, he turns the ball over a ton, which has to, which has, mm. to, which has to change. Um, I like his ability to create with his legs. I think he's got, a, you know, a decent future. Again, if he can kind of progress, but I, I just think, you know, you look at the ceilings, which one's higher. I think it is Donald. And, and for all the reasons Rocco said as well, um, I, I think Sam Donald has a chance to be a better quarterback, which is why, I, again, I, I would take him. Well, this doesn't make for great audio or radio or podcasting, whatever you want to talk it. 
Um, but I think I'm also on Sam Darnold. I, I've always been a Sam Darnold guy, and the reason I even posed the question the way I did in the first place, the Saquon versus Sam Darnold, you know, Jets philosophy versus Giants philosophy in that specific draft, is I was desperate for the Giants to take quarterback. And hand up, I said Josh Rosen was a guy who I'd be happy to take. Like, you know, I wanted Sam first, then Josh, and then Baker. That was my order back then. And obviously the Josh Rosen thing hasn't panned out, but you can argue that in a different world where Josh Rosen doesn't go to, you know, two pretty rough places for his career, he could be a different guy. Sam Darnold can have that same conversation if the Jets don't figure it out by next season, which is insane because of the promise that Sam Darnold showed uh, in years one and two. He's not perfect. He's not going to be perfect. And, and I see guys like Greg Cosell. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this dude. He's like a <clears throat> old-time NFL films worker who's been doing it for 20, 30 years, whatever. He breaks down film legit, and he's on Cowherd a bunch. He's a, he does a bunch of media throughout the week. And he's like, Sam's mechanics are not great, and he can fix it, but it's a lot of bad habits. going to take time. It's going to take good coaching. And every time I watch him do a segment on Sam, he's like, oh, he has great ability, out of the pocket. What do you call it? Magical sloppiness? It's that exact thing. But what does he do when it's not sloppy, when it's not ad-libbing? It's not as consistent. Those are things that get fixed with good coaching. And right now we're stripped of that opportunity. I think the only player in my head who didn't do better when he left Adam Gase right now is like Jarvis Landry because Jarvis Landry just fit the dink and dunk so perfectly. He was getting 13 catches for 35 yards every week. Obviously I'm exaggerating, but more or less. Like, Pat, have you been trusting Jarvis Landry much in the Browns system? Like, he doesn't get that much action. He's just kind of a nice player. Like, that was the only dude for Gase who, who put up crazy numbers, and it wasn't – it was like empty calories almost. So, yeah, I'm no, going I think, Sam. I think you make, yeah, I think you make a legitimate point there. Uh, and to your point, obviously now he's in a system where you, we've seen the Browns excel being a run-heavy team. So, yeah, I think he's uh, – I don't think he's going to have that great of a, of a role um, really at all. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no, I agree. I, I've just seen countless offensive skills of players when you go back in time that have been under Adam Gase that have almost done, have done little to nothing, and they go to other teams and they're and they're superstars. So, I think I think Darnold is is could potentially be another one. And for the fate of Darnold, if nothing else, that is probably the number one reason Case has to go. Obviously, he's a bad coach. The Jets have a bad team. It's not like we're expecting right. them to win five, six, seven games. I mean, maybe they thought at the beginning of the season, but no, it's for the progression of your quarterback. That is why he got the job. And that is why he has ultimately failed is because you have seen directly Sam Darnold get worse rather than get better under Adam Gase's tutelage, if you will. Amen, Pat. He, he single-handedly got the job because he left his wife in labor to go have a meeting with Peyton Manning and Manning vouched for him with Chris Johnson. And that was it. Higher Gase could have had rule, could have had McCarthy, could have had the enemy, could have had Cliff Kingsbury, could have even had the Ravens OC. But no, we settled with Adam Gase. And we should have known after that opening press conference. Yeah, that was a tough look. I tried to defend him after that press conference because, you know, those bright lights are tough. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, you know what? Let's give him benefit of the doubt. He kept the team average, blah, blah, blah. And then, no, nah, it ha- it's not it. It's not it. And, uh, you know, somebody in, in the Instagram mentions said something about, um, I forget exactly what it was about like, why can't pl- uh, teams move off of these players? Like, why can't teams move off of coaches, move off quarterbacks, move off whatever? And, and my response was, I think as fans, all we care about is having the team be good 
So we want when something goes wrong for it to be moved on from or fixed. GMs, coaches, all these people who are making the decisions, who are actually trying to move the needle, they have pride. They have ego. If a, if a GM picks a coach who he says, ah, that's going to be our guy, that's going to be our coach, that means his leash is going to be that much longer because that GM wants to be right. Not every GM is built to just move off of something when it doesn't work. And now, obviously, Joe Douglas came into a weird spot here. He didn't hire Gase, so he was stuck with him. And that's why it's going to be even easier and sweeter when Joe Douglas gets to put his big paw prints because he's got he's a huge human being on the on the Jets because it has to happen. But there's different ways to lose. It's bad, bad, and there's at least something to hang your hat on bad. Joe Burrow moves the ball. The Bengals move the ball somehow, some way, even if they're not playing great. If they're not being consistent, there's things to hang your hat on. You watch the Jets, you watch the Giants, and we're not even doing the draft right now. We're all just heated. That's how bad they've been. Like, you watch them, no trust to consistently get first downs. No trust to make big plays. No trust on defense that if you get a stop on first down, that you're not going to let them convert on a a second and 14. And it's brutal. So let's move off that and try to... uh, or third and 22 when you're down 30 points already and they run the ball 60 yards. Yeah, or specifically something like that, right? If something specifically like that were to happen, that would be pretty bad, huh? Unbelievable. But let's try to move off the coaching thing right now, right? Let's try to talk about these players. We're all in Sam Darnold. We're actually in agreement on the first spot there. I, I do like Daniel Jones. Uh, Pat, I appreciate you for saying some of the positives because to then go from I'm pro Daniel Jones, I'm pro Sam Darnold before this season – and three games be in, be like, oh, no, that's not it. Move off of them completely. That's crazy. Kind of like, and we'll talk about this later, people saying Jalen Hurts should play over Carson Wentz yet. Like, no, 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 no. Not yet. Come on. It's been three games. We ain't having that conversation yet. So we're not having that conversation yet with, with Jones and Darnold, but all three of us are on Sammy D. So let's move on to line. And let's start with offensive line because it's been such a point of contention or just such a place of uh, lack of talent for the Jets and Giants over the past couple of years. Who the hell are we keeping on this line? We got two rookies in Mekhi Becton, Andrew Thomas. We got Will Hernandez. After that, it starts to get a little glim. Can we build a serviceable line if we even combined the Jets and Giants, Rock? I think enough to enough to move the ball consistently after we know who we're going to pick for running back too, right? But um, I love both tackles. Uh, right now, Becton's getting a ton of um, ton of praise. He's had uh, two two good games. He was on his way to another good game. They said he was ranked in the top 10 in wins as an offensive lineman. Uh, I, I loved Andrew Thomas. I kind of wanted Andrew Thomas for the Jets. I You know, the way those mock drafts went, they had him there. Um, I thought it was a great move by Gettleman picking him fourth. He was the, you know, most experienced, most polished tackle coming out the draft. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'd be strong. With those two guys at the bookends, uh, I'd, I'd put Makai on the left and move Andrew to the right. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to start. And then you start going into the rest of the offensive line here. I think Will Hernandez is probably a guy who obviously is still young. Even Kevin Zeitler is supposed to be a guy who's good, right? I mean, Pat, you could probably talk to him more than us Giants fans can because we've only seen bad O-line play. You got to see at least some good O-line play out of him when he was still with the Browns. Uh, where... Uh, who who is the, who are the Giants even starting at, at center? This guy Gates is he the guy number sixty five with the long hair? He he looks like he is a backup career lineman. You know, like you ever see a lineman and you're like that guy looks like he's a career backup. He got number sixty five, <laughs> like he didn't even get one of the good numbers. Like 
<laughs> he he's playing left tackle one week because somebody got hurt. Left guard, and some of those guys are great and they make great careers. When he's just starting center, it's probably not a good thing. How how do we fill this line out? I think Hernandez gets in, but then who who else would you add from the Jets? You're gonna you're gonna have to go McGovern, um, coming from the Broncos. Another guy injured, didn't play last week. Uh, you know his experience alone. It's it's you know it's still a it's not a top fifteen center for sure. He's probably in <laughs> he's in the mid twenties. So we'll take our pride in our tackles, and then we'll that's what I'm saying. We'll be very weak in the middle. Yeah, I mean, in theory, Will Hernandez is good, right? In theory, Kevin Zeitler had some good seasons. In theory, uh, these rookies are going to be great. Uh, it becomes a crapshoot, but I think we do like what we're seeing out of those guys right there. I, I would grade this O line based off of age, based off of uh, you know experience, like what at best, like a B minus, C plus, perhaps, just because they're so young. Even if you love Andrew Thomas, you love Becton, you're not gonna. I mean, some dudes come in and just beast out off the jump, but usually it doesn't happen. It took Tunsil probably a couple of years, and all of a sudden, boom, he's one of the best tackles in the game. So it, it's interesting uh, how that'll work out. And just why we're here, Pat, is there a team who You've seen over the first, you know, two weeks that you've actually said, you know, they're less bad than the Giants or the Jets in the line front? The offensive line, an offensive line that is not as bad as? Yeah, who, who's less bad? I mean, I'm not going to ask you who's good because neither of them good. Who's le- Which team is less bad on O-line for you? I'd say the Jets. I'd say the Jets are slightly worse because, again, you, you've got a running back. You know, you had a running back like Saquon Barkley, healthy. He, you got Saquon Barkley. You can't even get him more than six yards. You can't even get him for more than half a yard per carry. You know, when you're doing that, it, your offensive line is that bad. And you know, you, I mean, you see that the Jets are at least able to run the ball a little bit. I mean, we look at the Giants' offensive line; they're almost dead last in in running, in rushing yards, and passing the ball. Uh, total offensive line: they're 32nd in adjusted line yards. They're 28th in pass block win rate. 26th in run block win rate. Oh, the Giants offensive line is, is arguably the worst in the NFL. And we're talking about, again, a team, and, and I don't want to go on off on a tangent because I'm just going to keep going and, and, and ripping both of these teams. This is a safe place. The Giants team that I've been saying for years, the Saquon Barkley pick, I hated it. Two years ago, I'm saying, get the offensive line to where it needs to be. You basically just took home um, – you know, you basically just took home a nice filet mignon and you're going to eat it on, on a floor. You don't have a kitchen table to eat your filet mignon on. You're eating it on, on dirty asphalt. <laughs> on dirty I came off the top of my head. That's all I wow. had. Yeah, right. That was great. Dirty asphalt. I wasn't sure where that was going until you said fault, but I'll take it. I mean, I agree, dude. I'm so with you. And it sucks because... As fans and as, uh, you know, appreciators of the sport of football and you have these conversations with your buddies or you're on Twitter, it almost makes you feel like you're going against Saquon Barkley. And that's like the worst thing because that guy is a a dope guy. He's cool. He's awesomely talented. And and he seems like a great guy by all measures. And now we have to sit out here and say, like, why the hell would our team pick him? Because it's just such a different uh, time in the league where running backs like that doesn't work. Think about the best teams in the league right now. And is it, tangents are fine on this episode. We're going to have many a tangents on this episode. Who cares? Think about the best running backs in the league. I'd say Kamara, Zeke Elliott, Derrick Henry. You'd probably put Saquon and, and, and Christian McCaffrey. Maybe outside of Derrick Henry and the fact that Drew Brees dumps off to Alvin Kamara 92 times a game, none of those running backs are able to say, don't worry, team. I'm going to make sure we win eight games. It just doesn't work. It doesn't. That's not how 
the NFL works. Derrick Henry, as good as he was last year, if Tannehill didn't become this guy who we trust and now think of as a as a nicely high-tiered quarterback, you know, not top-tier, but good, it wouldn't matter. Derrick Henry could do whatever he wants. So it, it sucks to try to um, justify or, you know, unjustify uh, picking a running back like that when you like the dudes, but then you see Nick Chubb go in the second round, and you're like, that guy's pretty much just as good. What? Why are we doing um, these incredibly hard positions to fill? Why are we not just taking every swing on one of those tackles or one of those defensive rushers or, uh, or one of the quarterbacks? It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't know if the Giants are gonna and Giants or Jets are gonna move on and, and try another swing of the quarterback. We don't know. I'm getting again the tangents. It's okay. Zeke Elliott, Dell. When you watch him, I imagine that you love watching him play because he is so incredibly physical. He hits the defense. Do you think that he like how many wins do you think he adds to the team? You're you're hitting the nail on the head. I, I while you're saying this, I thought of those early, you know, second, third, fourth pick of the draft running backs. Have Leonard Fournette work out for the Jaguars. See ya. You know, I, I Zeke, Zeke fortunately has been to the playoffs. Um, you know, he he's uh he's a load. He's got that big football butt, like I like to say, the thick legs. But um, the the win ratio for running backs is not the same as it is for the quarterbacks for building that offensive line. The game's won up front. So the, the Cowboys happen to have a tremendous O-line to pair with. Have had. It's starting to slow have, down now. Right, and that's and now right. it's showing. It's showing, right? Like Zeke's numbers were crap this week. So, yeah, I'm with you. It, it's interesting. And now we're going to talk about defensive line, which for the Giants, it I mean, we were built on pass rush. The past two times we were good enough to be in the Super Bowl, to be in the playoffs. Even when uh, Benny with the good hair, Ben McAdoo, went 11-5 and five or whatever he did, you know, the defense was causing turnovers. They were doing well. Eli was scoring 17 points a game, and we were winning games, right? The D-line hasn't been there for the Jets. They've taken their swings in the draft. Hasn't been there for the Giants. They've been kind of sputtering around. They took Leonard Williams from the Jets. Who who are we building this D-line out with, and do we have any pass rush whatsoever? Uh, you know, I like Dexter Lawrence, personally. The hog molly, as, uh, as our friend Gettleman called him. I think he's uh, got tremendous upside. He's got to be one guy we're building around. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not going to sell on Quentin Williams yet either. I was intrigued by his game versus the 49ers. Uh, I thought we'd see a little bit more of that last year. We really didn't. They blamed it on an ankle sprain. I won't. Um, I still want more more out of him, and I think there's more to give. So the jury's still out, but he he's he'd be in he'd be in that first uh, that first depth chart for me. So. I'm going to say Quentin Williams and, and Dexter Lawrence for sure. And then uh, right off the bat, like those two guys are not speed rushers by any means, right? They're, they're making their money, hogging it up. What would you hog Molly? They're, they're hogging up the middle. They're going to slow down the run game, you know, maybe make some internal pressure. By no means are those guys going to be double-digit sack guys, at least not looking like it right now, but not by not one single mean. So, are there any pass rushers on this team, on either of these two teams? Are there any pass rushers worth their weight in salt? I'm I'm looking through the depth chart right now. I'm not feeling that hot about it. I think Robbie, I think Robbie, you just mentioned Leonard Williams. I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, I mean, he's already got uh, what two sacks on the year. He's, he's the only guy. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's doing, I guess, the bare minimum. Um, you've been able to see him when you watch, you know, some of the highlights and when you're watching the game, uh, at least kind of get some penetration through the offensive line and whatnot. Uh, just in terms of a leadership standpoint and a guy that I'd like to have on my team, um, granted that he's kind of pulling his weight, uh, is Steve McClendon, um, you know, in the middle. Um, that's a guy that I think, you know, he's a, he's a true NFL vet. He's a leader. That's somebody you want just in terms of filling out a roster. Um, and I know he, uh, you know, he definitely kind of echoed what every other Jets player was saying after their loss on Sunday. And that, that is, you know, we got to pick our asses up and, and actually fight, not just lay down and get our asses kicked like we've been getting. So I'd say McClendon and I'd say Leonard Williams, uh, just those two at least. Yeah, I mean, Leonard Williams is a guy who's young enough to definitely like keep some faith in, right? I mean, you guys, you saw him up close with the Jets. He seemed pretty underwhelming over there. Uh, he's, he's looking nice right now, but nice is a, a different meaning when you're talking about this 0-3 Giants team. Leonard Williams game, Dell, you like it? Uh, you know, I like it for, like you said, the interior, you know, great run stopper, but let's, let's call it what it is. We just talked about, you know, the running back position and that it's, you know, it's uh, you could get a steal in the second, third round at running back. You need guys that could get to the quarterback. And both of these franchises are lacking that true dominant edge rusher. And both could have had Josh Allen of mm-hmm. the Jaguars. You know, both could have got Yannick if they wanted to deal some draft capital. You know, both passed up multiple opportunities to address that need where that guy's a game changer and keeps the opposing offense up at night saying, how are we going to block this guy? And are we going to chip him? Are we going to double him? Are we going to roll away from him? You know, are, are you taking a, a guy and putting him there and causing havoc and you need the franchises yet to do that? And you see it on a, on a week-to-week basis that they get zero rush on the edge. And, yeah, it's weird. You know, you look at the sack numbers right now for both teams. They're actually not bad. Like, Marcus May has uh, two sacks, I'm pretty sure, this season. But that's not something that's sustainable, right? Quinn Williams also has two sacks. Yeah, good for him. But uh, I don't know if that's something that is going to be a huge part of his game. It doesn't seem like his style, right? So, the D-line actually, not terrible, but still young and kind of just not together. If we're putting the Giants and Jets together, Leonard Williams could work for both teams. He's been on both already. But Williams and then Lawrence, you know, you got uh, Tomlinson also with the Giants. He's all right, right? Um, but there's talent there. There's nothing that's game-breaking. There's nothing that's game-changing there. And you watch a team like the Steelers, not only do they have one in T.J. Watt, they had two superstar rushers in Bud Dupree as well. And I watch a team like that so jealous because I remember a day where the Giants were like that. Where they like ended, uh, who was the old ass quarterback? I hate to even call him that. I feel so bad. The old quarterback came in for the Bears. The the Giants had like, like ten sacks or something in the game. It was absolutely outrageous. I was like, I felt bad for the guy. He was getting crushed every time. That was the Giants that were good, and now that's the one of the weakest ports of their game. So, uh, tough tough to see, but that's not a bad D line. I think that's one of the better units we got. We'll see how we round out the rest of it. Um, I think if we talk, start talking linebacker. It starts and ends with Blake Martinez, right? The Giants gave him the big bucks. He's been looking pretty good. He's active. It's not like he's perfect, right? He's not a perfect linebacker out there, but he's talented. He's all over the ball. He's all around the ball. I mean, he's leading the team in tackles by a mar- like a large margin. He's got 30. The next guy's got not even 20. Um, any linebackers on the Jets, I know that's been a tough position for them as well. The Giants and Jets 
Haven't had a good linebacker since Bart Scott, man. You'd like to say C.J. Mosley, but <laughs> he knew what he was doing. He bought the ball school stock. <laughs> he got it early. He's just chilling. He said, let me opt out. I know they're going down a bad road this year. So, you know, we would love to say C.J. Mosley, but um, no, I'm not confident in any of the other interior linebackers. Uh, you, you know, Williamson prior to the ACL injury was a solid linebacker, you know, P PFF probably rate him in, uh, you know, the, the latter of the league, but good enough, good enough to be on the field. Not good enough to be two and one though, Petey. <laughs> Not good enough, right? That's a big difference. Good enough to be on the field versus good enough to actually make the team better. It's a big difference there. I don't even want to get too deep and to be quite honest, like, I'm not going to start pretending like I know what Neville Hewitt's been doing over the past three weeks. I have no idea. I can If he walked in my apartment right now, I'd be like, what's up? Like, I would have no idea who he is. So I'm not going to pretend like I do. Um, but we, we could talk about some of the other guys, and guys like Marcus May and Bradley McDougald, you know, they were two guys who you looked at when you talked about the Jets and, and thinking they're going to be respectable. They're going to be getting some stuff done. They're not going to be pushovers. Marcus May and McDougald. Both, uh, McDougald was a little banged up last week. I think he's fine now. Uh, disappointing though, the Jets secondary and uh, Bradbury was the big signing for the Giants secondary. It's not like they're looking too hot either. And Andrew Bro Peppers is banged up. Who are we putting together in the secondary here for the Subway Sewer Rats? Uh, I think first and foremost, you know, you mentioned Bradbury had an incredible interception um, in the Giants game against the 49ers last week. Um, I think he has definitely pulled his weight so far. You mentioned Peppers is now uh, is hurt for the moment. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it's fair to add him. But I, I think in terms of the cornerbacks, you've got to have Bradbury. Um, and honestly, I, I'd probably take anybody you can pull off the street for the other side of the, of the New York <laughs> Giants cornerback team. Um, so I think obviously then by default, it would probably be Pierre Desir. Um, and then in terms of the two safeties, uh, I think, like you said, May and McDougal have both been good. So I would probably take both of them over, you know, Logan Ryan and, you know, for now, a hurt triple peppers. But uh, another guy that when he's healthy, I would take is obviously their draft pick, Xavier McKinney. Um, mm. You know, anybody from Alabama, I'd probably take uh, in anything. So uh, you got a lot of injuries when we're dealing with this category. But. Yeah, as, as we're looking through these depth charts, you know, it's just the amount of uh, O's for out and Q's for questionable and IR's on both rosters makes it even tougher. For teams that weren't good to begin with, this is just making it that much harder. Uh, Rock, when you, when you think about Marcus May, is, is he a guy who you've been, you know, proud to see run around your defense or has he been leaving a little bit on the table for you? You know, I, I think he stepped up um, as I knew he had to. Uh, he, you know, he was never talked about. You remember he was the second round draft pick that year. Jets could have had Mahomes and then him, but they wanted to change the culture. So they drafted Adams. How'd that make out for them? Culture's great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but, you know, May came in hot uh, in the uh, Buffalo game. You know, there's probably two or three plays he wants back. He could have had another sack on Josh Allen who's tearing the league up, mind we say. But uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Marcus May. He's a little bit older. He played four years in college. But I would like the Jets to re-sign him to a two- or three-year deal and uh, and and allow, you know, Ashton Davis to grow. So it, on this team, on the Sewer Rats, I, I, 
I'm buying Marcus May for sure. And just like Patty said, how could you not buy someone from the Crimson Tide? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, if we're allowed to buy him, he's on the IR right now, right? So, you know, if we're allowed to buy him or not for this Subway Sewer Rats team, uh, I don't know. But that's the point, right? So we're building this team out, and we're going to get to receivers and running backs the last thing before we move on to the rest of our conversation here. Like, there's players who you like, right? There's guys who you say their names, Blake Martinez, uh, Marcus May, even, you know, Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams. Guys who have some names, guys who have some talent, but nobody who's done much, obviously, yet on this current team or done much to really affect winning football games. And you look at a bunch of dudes with potential, a bunch of dudes who can be part of good units, but they're not leading good units. And that's, frankly, why even the Subway Sewer Rats, who are combining the Jets and the Giants, I'm trying to look at what the strength is on this team. We didn't get to receiver yet. It might be that because the Giants aren't terrible at receiver. But where's the strength on this team to this point? What unit, quarterback, O-line, D-line, defensive linebacker backfield what's the strength is there any even combining the two yeah there's no uh there's no true identity just like either the jets or the giants man is this just is this going to be like the saddest podcast for anyone to listen to ever like this (laughs) is reality it's reality it is it is reality unbelievable well let's at least have some fun here and we'll talk about wide receiver uh, and then we'll get to running back. So Le'Veon Bell and Saquon both on the IR. Obviously Saquon out for the year no matter what. But we'll go to receiver. Where do you go in the Giants depth chart at receiver until you get to the first jet? Because it might be three. And that's sad. Slayton is probably number one. Shepard also on the IR. I don't know if we're allowed to pick if we could pick him. Slayton's the number one receiver in New York right now. Darius Slayton, a guy who we like, a guy who I like, a guy who fantasy players like, is the number one receiver in New York right now. Both teams combined. Terrible. What's going I, I don't on? Think, I don't think that's something that's necessarily to be said in a sad manner. I think Darius Slayton could have a, a huge future, uh, and it's a shame uh, that, again, you know, the, the, the Giants haven't been able to kind of utilize him as, as much as they've wanted to. Um, and now, you know, teams are going to double team him every week. As if Shepard's on the IR for continued, you know, time, because again, you got Golden Tate, obviously not in his peak, and CJ Board isn't anybody that's going to truly hurt a secondary. And Evan Engram has just been still a giant disappointment. So really, teams know that it's basically just uh, Slayton that's the only really receiver that can hurt them. Uh, but I think again, you know, he could be a legitimate number one receiver on a handful of teams in this league, and I think he is more than capable. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you, Pete. I don't think that's something that that's said in, in sad uh, fashion, though. Mm. Uh, but then right after that, I would take another guy again that's hurt um, that I really, really liked what I saw from him in week one. And obviously he's had um, some really talented past years, and that's Jamison Crowder. Uh, I think he would probably be the number two for me. And then, uh, Rockley, I don't know if you agree or not, if you want to take it further than that. I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. I, I like where we're going, Slayton and Crowder. Um, Crowder uh, and Donald seem to have a nice little report. Hopefully he gets back Thursday night. Maybe actually, I hope he don't. <laughs> he, I already took off work Friday, so I'm hoping uh, I'm no, hoping this goes as planned. No matter what, you'll be celebrating either a, a, a random Jets victory or the firing of Adam Gase. <laughs> You're right, right. And then, uh, like you said, you have uh, – 
You have Shepard, who would be my next guy, but he's on IR. I'd love to see what Denzel Mims is all about. IR. He's on IR. You know, who do we go to next? Um, you know, it's Perry, not on Perryman's the- hurt. It's, Brax- yes, it's yeah. Braxton Berrios. I'll tell you what. And, uh, you know, I w- I, I'm another one of those Fairweather Jeff fans that was happy. Oh, let Robbie Anderson go. Let him go. Like, we don't need him, but for $2 million more than Perryman, you'd feel a lot better about yourself. He had already played with Donald two years. He's coming into his own. He was finally starting to learn the route tree and not just be a nine ball guy, as we say, a fade route runner. Um, so, yeah, you, know, I, you, you may say that the strength, that's how bad this sewer rat team is. The strength of our team is the receivers, and we can't get past the, the first two guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we got into Braxton Berrios like way too early. And granted, nice little player. But, like, you know, you're not counting on him for eight to ten targets a week. Like, Jameson Crowder, you can get get eight targets. You know, Slayton, you get eight targets. Shepard, obviously, being hurt, whatever. Denzel Mims, didn't get to see him. You know, like, it's just it's just brutal. It's hit after hit. Chris Hogan couldn't get it going with Tom Brady after one good season. So, he's what has he got? It's tough. And and let's just let's, let's get this over with. Tight end. It might be, I, I, I don't know, is this good or bad? Herndon and Ingram? We take them two both. Biggest letdowns, two biggest letdowns in New York other than Gase and the play of both quarterbacks. Under the tutelage of uh, the Sewer Rats, I think we can get Herndon and Ingram some good looks. We're going to have to. We're going to hire the guy from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to uh, be the coach, the rat. That'll be our mascot. <laughs> Splinter. Splinter. Splinter's going to be our mascot. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Pat, try being me, but I got both of these guys as tight ends in my fantasy league. Oh, my <laughs> I feel bad for you. And I thought I had a score. I'm like, nobody knows. Herndon's going to be a, a, a unicorn. He's going to have a great year. He's probably hey, got five catches. You know what? It's not over yet. It's not over yet. I just say this. It, ha- it can't get worse, right? Like, you can't just... I mean, I guess you can keep losing by 30, but it's not, like, likely, right? There has to be, I don't know. I'm going to keep saying it every week. There has to be a point where pride kicks in and you don't lose by 30 and you're close. You're in a game, you know? You're you're trying to, to make a last-minute drive. I don't know. I'm sick of this. This was actually, like, this was brutal to do. This I don't know about you guys. It made me, like, really, it hurt my feelings to talk about all of these average players. Average you're at just, best players. You're, you're looking at teams that have been poorly constructed with not a ton of talent, not and terrible coaching, basically for the most part, and even some of the best players are hurt. So you're left with literally, if there was the, you know, the comparison, a minor league football team. The Jets with the Jets and Giants. I heard somebody there today said, I forget where it came from, but literally, if it was like soccer, if you could get relegated, the Giants and the Jets would be relegated three times already. They'd be out. They'd be done. They'd, they'd be in the CFL. They'd be out. Yeah, so they're relegated to the CFL. That's how bad they are. It's unreal. But what are you going to do? I, we need to talk about some other teams because I'm getting depressed over here. You know, it, it's just not much. And I think hopefully what this segment did, and it, it went longer than probably we, we should have, but who cares? We are talking about these two teams. Like, we need to now know. We need to learn which of these young guys who we kind of like, which of these guys who we think are respectable pros – need to be around, need to be involved in this offense or defense, right? Like in the Giants and Jets team. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what guys, you know, hang around and show something. 
and hopefully we'll learn who, who's not going to do nothing for either team. But let's move on. Subway Sports Talk. Pat, Pete, Rock, PPR. We're working on that. Working title, PPR. Uh, let's talk about something else. So I kind of want to go to a positive note. So can we not go Eagles first? Let's go somewhere else first. Can we talk about Chiefs-Ravens? Let's go to Chiefs-Ravens, and we'll end with Eagles. Patrick Mahomes, man, unbelievable. Andy Reid, unbelievable. Those weapons, just fantastic. Was this more about the Chiefs just hitting on all cylinders or about some of the shortcomings possibly that the Ravens can see when they fall behind? I think it's just the, the fact of the matter is uh, plain and simple. You know, you want to use one statement to, to, to write it up. Yes, I did. Is that the Chiefs are still in an entirely different league from most of the other of the NFL. And it's still even especially the Baltimore Ravens. That three times now, they haven't been able to beat them. You know, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, I think they're 21-1 and one now against the rest of the league. But playing the Chiefs, they're 0-3. And this was as bad of a beatdown as they've gotten in any of the three games. And you look at the scoreboard, 14-point game doesn't maybe seem that bad. Oh, it, was, it was pretty bad. They completely neutralized Lamar Jackson. Um, and I think this is a, a fact of the matter that the Chiefs are – uh, probably at an elite level in every category of, of a team. You know, they've got the best quarterback in the league. They've got the, probably the best offense in the league, and they've got one of the best defenses in the league. So you look at that, and again, I think it's the fact of the matter that the Chiefs are that much better than the Ravens. Great points, Pat. And you may have missed one of the best points, the head coach and his game plan week in and week out how exotic, you know, how tough to prepare for um, the, the shovel pass, the double moves, the trick plays, the moving of the chess pieces, the snap motion, Pete. It's all new week in, week out. And they put Lamar Jackson down points where he cannot come back. The Ravens are a different animal when they're up when they're winning when they're able to run the ball effectively and eat the clock and play great defense get them down get them in a scenario where you got to force Lamar Jackson to throw to be accurate to move the sticks and they're in trouble so yes Patty Boyle the Chiefs are elite that's the point right and also off the Chiefs point the other point that you made is the Ravens when they're up I heard uh, right after the game, Steve Young, I believe it was, on with SVP, saying how Lamar Jackson and, like, the Lamar Jackson-led Ravens have never even come back from a 10-point deficit or something. It was something like that. Like, once they go down 10 in, like, the second half or whatever it may be, they don't come back. And that game, that style of play where you're playing catch-up, it doesn't vibe with everybody. Some people thrive in that setup, right? We think Russell Wilson. We think Big Ben. They'll just keep slinging. They'll keep getting buckets. They'll keep putting up numbers. Lamar Jackson, well. what'd you say? Chiefs as well. They've yeah, oh, and yeah, and obviously, right, obviously Mahomes can now come back with the best of them, and apparently so can Nick Foles, uh, but he was also playing the Falcons. So the Ravens, on one hand, some limitations, but the Chiefs, on the other hand, incredible. We talked about the Jets and Giants and how you never trust there's a first down coming, never trust there's a big play coming. It's the opposite when you watch the Chiefs. You watch Tyreek Hill do... Um, you know, a, a swing motion. How's that sound? Is that a good motion right there? He's not going in front of the ball. He's going behind almost like he's going to peel out for an option or, or a swing pass, something like that. Um, 
and it didn't. He didn't do anything. He he was just there for a decoy, and it still leads to all these other players getting open, getting good looks. And then Mahomes' decision making is on another level. If the game was in slow motion and we were all playing Madden, we wouldn't make as good of decisions as Patrick Mahomes. Like it is insane what he does with the ball and his ball placement. I don't know what more there is to say uh, other than the fact about the Ravens where the questions come into play. Are we worried or is this just basically the Ravens running into the best team in the league in the past couple of years? Like, are we really worried though for the Ravens? Not yet, obviously, but there's some limitations there. No. Yeah. I mean, I think you've seen now, you know, kind of their faults though now over the last two years, obviously be exploited in prime time. You know, they, they played, uh, the Tennessee Titans, and you saw them not be able to stop a team that can run the ball efficiently and take away pos- time of possession from them. And you saw the Chiefs do that as well, an offense that can operate efficiently, eat up clock, and, and then also they can almost, you know, score on, on, on kind of any play they want to. Uh, and, the, and the fact that they created a game plan where their front seven was so good at boxing Lamar Jackson in, not allowing him to extend plays, to, to make plays with his legs, to get outside of the pocket and create you know, obviously now other teams in the NFL have tape. Whether or not they can execute it, that's one thing. But now you have a formula for how to stop the Baltimore Ravens, and nobody's been able to execute it better than Kansas City. Yeah, that's it. That's what it's all about right there. I guess we're going to see. We talked about it last week on the pod with the Chiefs and the Ravens, really. We talked about it both teams. Uh, if one of these teams wins or whoever wins, do they have a chance of just running through this whole league and being 15-1, 16-0 maybe even, right? You look at the Chiefs and – even though they played a tight one just one week ago, the confidence in them to win, even when they're down, is insanely high, and we'll continue to see that for the next probably 10, 15 years with Patrick Mahomes. But let's keep it moving. Let's keep talking about quarterbacks. Mahomes will be included in this conversation. I have a question for you guys, and Rock, I'll go to you first. Can we say that the top, the tippy-top tier of NFL quarterbacks include Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and the list ends there? Because we used to have Brady... We used to have Breeze and Big Ben. Phil Rivers was probably never there. Some of the young guys are knocking. But are those three, Mahomes, Russ, and A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, just a head above? Are they that incredible at the position of quarterback right now? Oh, they, you know, it's exciting to watch those three play. Uh, you're guaranteed to see top-of-the-line QB play almost week in and week out. Um Start with Mahomes. You know, he's yet to throw an interception in September. Think about in that. In his career, that. right? You're saying? Yeah. Oh in, my his God. Short, in his short career, we, you know, they say, oh, he's he's already in the Hall of Fame. This is the dude's third year. It's fourth year in the league. Third year's a start. Third year. Right. So go go figure. Um, I, I'm just marveled by Russell Wilson. You know, I feel like he gets better and better year in and year out. Whereas, you know, when they were when they won their Super Bowl and they went to the Super Bowl against the uh, New England, I I wasn't crazy about him. I I didn't see him as a as you know a top five QB. Now it's 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 known he's right up there with Mahomes and uh, and A Rod. Like, what do they say? He's a bad bad man. Discount, double check. He's motivated. I think it took you know Jordan Love getting drafted. He, he feels comfortable in Matt LaFleur's new offense. Um, he's slinging it. And, uh, you know, they passed up having an opportunity to give him another skill guy, but I think he's doing just fine with Devontae Adams 
and the running back, Aaron Jones, who I could have picked in fantasy. I didn't expect him to be who he is. Um, and then next, Pete, after those three, they want to put Lamar Jackson in that. But I didn't. after last night, I think it's evident he's a system quarterback. Um, then, the, you know, the next it would be the the Big Ben, the, the Breeze, but they're on their way out. So to your point, yeah, it's those three. And maybe, yeah, well, we'll get into it, Pat. But before I go, I'll let you get it, jump in there. Yeah, no, I, I'm still sticking firm by my MVP pick is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look, we all have seen what Russell Wilson can do um, with, with his ability to create the way he can throw and put on a show every week. But again, you know, Aaron Rodgers is making guys like Robert Tunyon, uh, Mercedes Lewis, Alan Lazard, Valdez Scantling. Obviously, he's got Devontae Adams, who is a premier wide receiver, but he's making all these other guys look like superstars because of his ability to throw the ball on a dime 40, 50 yards down the field like he's throwing a hacky sack. Uh, it's just incredible to me. Again, the talent that Aaron Rodgers still has, his ability to use his legs when needed. Uh, he, in, in his decision-making process, to me, it, it's nearly flawless. Uh, rarely do I see Aaron Rodgers make a mistake. He puts balls in the perfect places, not only for his receivers to catch them, but catch them in, most of the times on the run so that he's not slowing down their route at all. Um, and again, I agree with your point, Pete. It's it's Rodgers, it's Russell Wilson, it's Mahomes, and it's everybody else. Mm. And those three guys are the three best quarterbacks in the league. And and like you said, then I think it's a a significant drop off to Lamar Jackson, um, your Drew Brees. Um, I still love Brady as a quarterback. I'll put him in that second tier, and. And then some of the other guys, but yeah, yeah, those three guys, no question head and shoulders above everybody else. I think the only two who we didn't mention who are going to be in that second tier knocking at the door, maybe Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, but obviously Watson's been, you know, playing for a rough team right now. The Texans aren't looking too hot. Kyler Murray just got knocked off by the lions, but he's looking pretty awesome right now, but they're not Josh there Allen, yet. I'll put in that second tier as well. Just to add that in who not to, not to cut you off. Oh, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. I put yeah, Josh Allen for in that sure. Second tier. He deserves as much, if not more praise as a possible MVP candidate. than the likes of Kyler and uh, even Lamar, maybe, maybe not right now. You know, we got, we got some more time for that, but until Lamar Jackson rounds out his resume, I think it's completely fair to say he's not in the top tier yet, even though he just won MVP. He could go ahead and win MVP again. But as far as quarterbacks are concerned, until his resume is rounded out and those comebacks are completed or, uh, you know, being shut out all game and then blowing up in the fourth quarter when you're down by 10, like, you know what I mean? He has to get more of those experiences in, prove that he can win in all these different uh, sorts of manners because he could win with his arm, he can win with his legs. Can he do both of those things when they're down, when they need it uh, last-minute drive? We haven't quite seen it yet. So I don't think system quarterback is exactly proper. It's a little bit harsh for me. But until he rounds out the resume, like we can easily say he's just not anywhere near those three guys. Those three guys are ahead above the rest. Now, as a segue to our last topic here, a guy who I would have considered knocking at the door last year or this offseason going into this season is now looked at as a dude who could possibly lose his job by the end of this year, and that's Carson Wentz. And to you, Pat Boyle... I say ISO ball, take the floor. I know you want this one. What the hell is going on in Philadelphia? Uh, it's a stink fest. It really is. Well, first of all, if I will reiterate, all of Philadelphia sports um, should be ashamed and embarrassed that they support their local teams, the 76ers, and their process broken 
the Philadelphia Phillies. I was excited for them and Joe Girardi. <laughs> Stink. Um, you look at the Philadelphia Flyers. My Islanders knocked them out of the playoffs. They're probably the best of the bunch. And then you've got the Philadelphia Eagles, who week in and week out now continue to be another gift that keeps giving with how pathetically embarrassing they continue to be. Doug Peterson, when he this is a Super Bowl winning coach that is two years removed from a Super Bowl. And I think he's honestly one of the worst coaches in the NFL with some of the play calls I see him make, some of the decisions he's he's making now week in and week out. I mean, it doesn't get bad. It doesn't get worse than being in overtime tied with the team who was the worst team by far in the NFL last year. And you've got a chance to win it on a 59-yard field goal and your team falls starts with 19 seconds left. And then you say, well, all right, guess we got to take the tie. Let's punt it away. <laughs> You're pu punt it away. Are you kidding me? Punting the ball in overtime with 19 seconds? I don't care. I'm the person that would take the loss rather than take a tie. Go for it on fourth down. You get the first down, you kick a field goal to win it anyway. If you don't get it, Cincinnati still has to pick up a 25-yard gain to then beat you with a, with a long field goal as well with Randy Bullock. I, I've, just, I've, I've never been more ashamed of Doug Peterson than I was on Sunday. And I, frankly, I don't think I've ever been more ashamed of this Philadelphia Eagles team. They continue to lose in miserable fashion. The offensive line is terrible. Carson Wentz, you can't rely on him to be healthy. And when he does, in my opinion, he's not the quarterback he was two years ago. Uh, the defense, you can't count on them to get stops. Joe Burrow already in his third game in the second half, looking like a seasoned veteran, leading, leading drives down the field, throwing for over 300 yards, picking apart a Philadelphia secondary that has needed work for years and is still one of the worst in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles are bad. They are awful in all categories of the game. And I don't see it getting any better. And honestly, at this point, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pete, you said it before, we're not going to go Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz. It's getting close to that point for me because Carson Wentz continues to make bad decisions. He had another couple of interceptions. Yeah, he had a nice drive at the end of the game to, uh, to tie the game up or, or you know, whatever that, that drive resulted in. Uh, to tie the game where he ran it in for a touchdown. He can still use his legs. He's still tough, but I don't know, Pete. I think it's close to Jalen Hurts' time. I think you got to give him a shot if this oh. team continues to perform as badly as they have been because they are a train heading down the wrong track. You know what? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not ready for the Jalen Hurts thing, but otherwise, I, it's hard to argue what you're saying right now. It's, it's bad. Now, there is a very technical argument to take the tie, that now with this crappy, just abysmal NFC East, if they have the same amount of wins as the Cowboys now, they make it and the Cowboys don't, right? So it it technically there's there's an argument there, right? And Doug Peterson, no matter what was gonna get ripped, I'm glad you called out the players because you know, Doug Peterson wasn't doing that until his players made a false start and made a mental mental error, right? So is that his own fault? Sure, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not ready to move off Carson Wentz yet. I'm, I, I don't even know. I, I don't know what to say about Carson Wentz right now because we've seen him do incredible things on more than one occasion. He had an MVP season before he got hurt two years ago. Last year, he was playing with us at receiver, and they made the playoffs. He almost had the Bears beat in the playoffs. Was it the Bears? Not the Bears. Who did they lose to? The Saints? 
They almost beat the Saints in the playoffs last year. Alshon Jeffrey dropped a pass that could have been right there. He's done incredible things in recent enough history for me to not even remotely think about giving up on him yet. So I think the Jalen Hurts stuff is way too aggressive. But the disappointment could be as hard as you... Like you can be as disappointed as you want. It's just not time to do some sort of Jalen Hurts thing just yet for me. Dell, what are no. you feeling when you look at the Eagles? I mean, Pat, you know, basically said everything you could say, right? But the NFL, not for long. So, yes, one minute, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning coach. Next minute, egg on his face with his horrible game management to the end of that game, Pat. Um, but, Pete, you said it, and this is the reality of it. They're still in the thick of things in the NFC East. <laughs> you couldn't say it without laughing. <laughs> right. Whereas, and even the Giants at 0-3, whereas the Half Jets are already, <laughs> already cemented themselves for last place. So it's, uh, you know, they, and they play the 49ers um, on, uh, on Sunday night football, Pat. So we're going to get to see the Eagles dysfunction up close and personal. And I think Pete being a giant fan and, uh, you know, him, him having that for them, it'll be nice to see them combust a little bit now, more. See, I actually, I weirdly, I root for the Eagles cause I like Carson Wentz. He's one of the guys who, you know, in the draft, I was like, that's, that's my guy. Like he's the dude to pick, like he's a beast sad, whatever. And then I felt vindicated for a while. Then people were hating him because Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. And I'm like, come on now. Like, he got hurt. He got an MVP season. Give him some slack. And now it came full circle twice. And he's terrible. And he should be benched for a guy who lost a job in college. Like, granted, to an incredible talent in Tua. And a guy in Jalen Hurts who I think has a, a future in this league. It's not it. That ain't it. You're not going to. I think it is it. Pete. It's not it, dude. It, it's not. It's not yet. I think it is. P. I understand last year the, the receivers he was working with were awful. And I'm not saying. Uh, last year was his problem. There an echo. Yeah, Dell, can you mute maybe? There we go. Try again, Pat. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think it is it, Pete, because I'll agree with you. Last year, yeah, the receivers he was working with uh, were terrible. You said us at receivers. There was tons of video that you could watch. I know all the major networks were showing – uh, breaking down Wentz versus the Eagles offense. Whose fault is he? Yeah, the receivers were bad. They dropped so many passes. The routes they were running were terrible. But this year, he has been one of the worst quarterbacks statistically in the NFL. And some of the interceptions he has thrown have been very, very poor decisions, very misguided throws. And, uh, again, that, that Philly offense is just really, really, really bad. And, you know, it, it took the Washington football team one half to figure out how to stop them and one half for the offensive line to break down. And everybody else has followed suit since. Pete, I promise you, you're going to think differently after Sunday night football when the 49ers wipe the field with the Eagles, with or without their main starters on the defensive side of the football. And then Carson Wentz and the Eagles are in for another miserable performance on primetime TV. And perhaps without Jimmy G still. Hey, you know what? It's very possible I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Carson Wentz until until he burns down, until it is so bad for so long. This entire season, I wouldn't bench him this entire season unless he threw five picks in one game. Like, may, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I feel about a dude who's been this good at certain points of his young career. But I, I feel you, and the frustration's real. And we're not even Eagles fans. You should go on Eagles Twitter. It's hilarious. But the Eagles are a half game out of the lead in NFC East. 
and the Giants are at one game out. <laughs> it's so hilarious. But wait, I think it's time. We, we talked about a lot of stuff here. I think we got to everything. Let's do our last words, but let's specifically use our last words here on Subway Sports Talk to talk about one game each. So, Pat, you mentioned the Eagles, uh, Niners, Sunday night. Pick it. We'll pick another one. Just give me a game, and if you guys want, I can go first. I have mine ready to go. Uh, that, that interests you this, this weekend, whether it be for, you know, top-tier contenders, maybe a team with a losing record who you have some faith in now moving forward, uh, whatever it may be. Anyone want to jump in first? I, or I can go. What do we got? Take, take the floor, boss. Go ahead. Yeah, Let's go. get it. Ready for this? This is, this is a good one. I think this is going to be a really good game. And thank God, you know, this past week went the way it did or else, you know, we wouldn't feel this way. Lions, Saints. The Saints are in a point right now where the, the sky is starting to fall. They're not in Eagles territory. They had a good win in week one. But now they're 0-2. Yes, they lost to the Packers, who might be a really good team. But Drew Brees and and the yards per attempt, not looking hot right now. The the air yards, not looking hot right now. I keep joking on Twitter every single time they lose the past two weeks. I say uh, this team would be better with Jameis Winston. And it's a joke, but it's almost serious. If you don't think some of these receivers would rather have Jameis Winston chucking it around, despite the four picks he'll probably throw, you know, you're mistaken. Because they're seeing what this guy's arm can do at this point in time. So the Saints are in a weird crossroad where if they don't start turning it around, they're going to be looking up at this division with a, a chance to miss the playoffs in Drew Brees last year. Now they're too talented. When Michael Thomas gets back, it changes them in a positive manner, of course. But this Lions team, you know, I can't quit the Lions. I'm going to bet them again this week just because I hate myself, right? But, like, they're they're a talented team with playmakers on both sides of the, of, of the field. And we don't like Matt Patricia that's okay. They just beat the Cardinals, a team who we were all loving on last week. I think this is a battle. I think the Saints, if they do win, it's going to be extremely close, and the Lions end up actually blowing it. But I'm taking the Lions this week. I can't wait to see if they figure it out, the Saints. And I can't wait to see if the Lions become the frisky team that a lot of people were picking them to be this year. So that's my pick for a most interesting matchup this weekend. You are going to ride that Jameis Winston train until he finally gets an opportunity. Brother, yo, you're telling me that he wouldn't be ripping it all across the field with these dudes? Yes, he'd be ripping it to the opposite colored jerseys four times a game, like well, you said. You're which, like, I love how you're like, you know, despite the four picks that he might I'm just, throw, the two pick sixes he might throw, he might throw for 400 yards. He will throw for 400 yards. I'm telling about the, I'm talking about receivers. I'm saying specifically the receivers on that team. You don't think uh, there's some chirps between Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Michael Thomas being like, bro, 18 yards is our max route we can run? Like, the ball's just not getting sent out of Drew Brees' hand like it was even last year or two years ago. It's different. I don't know. I don't know if maybe I'm overreacting here. I'm not saying, I'm saying half jokingly about Jameis actually taking over, but. I think there's something here. I think there's some fire behind the smoke with Drew Brees uh, deteriorating. No, yeah, I think you do have a legitimate. Uh, I mean, we all we all watch the game. I, I think yeah, that is a, a legitimate argument, and we'll see if, if that continues to be the case over the next week or two. But Rock, do you want to give your game because I got three that I'm having trouble picking from, and I'm hopefully I'm hoping you choose one of them. <laughs> sure, uh, I'm gonna play the coach mode. I'm going to go Chiefs versus the Patriots. Um, you know, you, I would have said maybe three months ago, four months ago, I doubt I'll watch any Patriot games. They'll be 0-5. Cam Newton is this. And look, here's where we are. Right back where it was last year and 
10 years prior to that. <laughs> the Patriots in the thick of things. For me, Bill Belichick versus Andy Reid, week four. What is Bill going to do to shut down Mahomes and shut down Andy Reid and shut down, hopefully, the Jets' new head coach, Eric Bieniemy? Um, I wanted to say before, but I didn't get to, the only way to stop the Chiefs is to generate your rush from your four-down linemen. Do the, now, do the Patriots have any true defensive linemen that scares me, that keeps me up at night? No, but I could rest knowing that Bill will scheme up something to, to make Pat move around and give them a chance. And I think they'll have trouble, the Chiefs, defending Cam Newton as long as he holds on to the ball. So that's going to be a doozy at Arrowhead Stadium, I think 425. Love the Chiefs to win outright, but I think the, I think the Patriots are going to give them all they can handle. That that game's gonna be fire. I can't wait to see what happens there. I mean, you just Patriots, Bill Belichick, you know he ain't gonna get, you know, punked, right? There's gonna be something that happens here that makes us extra intrigued when this game gets on our TVs. I can't wait to watch that one too. Pat, what do you got? Yeah, that was one of the three I was gonna say, so I'm glad Rocco you nailed that. The consolation, other consolation I'll give really quickly is Vikings and the Falcons. Mm. Both teams, excuse me, no, Vikings, Texans. One o'clock game in Houston, both teams 0-3, both teams playing with the season on the line. Whoever loses, my ch- in my opinion, zero chance to make the playoffs at 0-4. Whoever wins, uh, season's still alive. And I still think both of these teams, whoever wins this game, will have a chance to claw out of an 0-3 hole and make the playoffs. I think it's going to be the Texans. But uh, then to add on the, the game I'm most interested looking for this weekend, and it's the one that has ob- already drawn the most controversy, it is Titans-Steelers. The Tennessee Titans with their nine COVID tests. Mm. What what the heck is this game going to look like by Saturday? As of now, the league is going to play. You know, Goodell, he's not going to try to cancel this game as much as possible, even if that means moving it to a double Monday night football slot, which I think, honestly, I wouldn't be too upset about. Nah. I would watch two Monday night football games every week if we could. <laughs> um, I don't care if I have to watch at 7 and 10, but – um, and just in terms of the game itself, if they do play it and most of the, and the Titans are playing with uh, most of their team, if not all of their team, I think these are two legit contenders. I think you've got two gritty defenses. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, have a legitimate chance to make the AFC title game with how just dangerously absurd their front seven is. I think it's the best in the league. I love the, the return of Big Ben. I'm hoping to see him get better and better. I think their receiving core is, is tremendous. The fact that they've got guys now like Deontay Johnson who could be a superstar, and you've got Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, I love watching Derrick Henry just run it down people's throats, and I've been big on Ryan Tannehill ever since he started breaking out because, again, it shows us how incompetent Adam Gase is as a coach, which all things, all roads lead back to how bad Adam Gase is as a coach. But, yeah, I'm jacked up for that game, man. Both teams 3-0. and Something's got to give. I like that. You went for the 3-0s and and the 0-3s. They're both – very important. They're both big. I, I, I'm with you on the Texans, by the way. Deshaun Watson's is one of those dudes who it's like chalk him up for seven or eight. He's going to win that game. He's going to get you seven or eight wins. And if his team gives you anything else, you get to nine or ten. And, and that's kind of how I look at him. And maybe this year will prove us uh, that that won't be completely true because they're looking a little rough down there in Houston. But good stuff as always, fellas. Great, great time. 
We'll be back next week to talk, uh, you know, the schedule. Hopefully we'll get it a little more worked out now. It's so wild. Usually we'd be able to do this, you know, every Tuesday like we were or every Thursday if we chose to do so and more of a preview rather than a recap. But with the NBA Finals, now with the Yankees in the playoffs, bro. Crazy. By the time this podcast is out, it could be 1-0 Heat, 1-0 Lakers. What do you guys think? Uh, Just to give us on the spot right now, this is coming out after the game was played. You think it's going to be 1-0 Heat or 1-0 Lakers? 1-0 1-0 Lakers, Lakers in five. Ooh. I, I agree with you. This was LeBron Gia from the start of it, and it's going to be LeBron Gia at the end of it. Lakers, <laughs> Lakers, Lakers, Lakers in five. Wow. Simply said. I'm going uh, I'm going to go contrarian. I think the Heat take game one, and then Bron just goes super Saiyan. Uh, but I do think it goes six. I think Lakers in six. I think the Heat just don't get punked, and they consistently just attack. And then every, you know, every, like, uh, third quarter, LeBron just goes, all right, guys, I got this. I got this. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, good stuff. Subway Sports Talk for Rocco Del Puri, for Pat Boyle, and Pete Kennedy. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Subscribe, rate, review. Tell me what you like about the podcast, what you want to hear more of, uh, all that fun stuff, and leave a review if you do. That means a lot to all of us. We appreciate you greatly. So keep enjoying all these sports. We'll keep being here talking about it.